0: The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and the two up, two down Virginia, baby. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home for free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000 in NFL week one exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome into the SGPN fantasy football podcast. Uh, I'm not sure your, your average voice that you're used to hearing here. It's me, Terrell Furman Jr., and I'm on as a guest host sitting here filling in for my boy Rod while he's out today and uh, I don't know hopefully you know the bosses made the right decision in letting me come on and host today I don't know I might get fired on my day off I really wasn't supposed to come in today it was my day off but I said you know what I'm gonna come in I'm gonna do it and I'm at a great time I got my boy with me Dan Titus of Action Network DT what's up man
1: What's up, Rally Rel, man. Um, we haven't talked in a minute, man. Since TBT, you did your thing. I know you were winning the Dgens out there, a lot of money on your picks. And now that I, we get to talk fantasy football, man, it doesn't get much better. So I'm glad we could collab yet again. Rod's not here, but I'm sure you'll you'll fill in admirably because you are. I mean, you're the goat, dude. Like you got you got all the gems, you got all the knowledge. So it's only time to talk about it, bro. Let's get it. Oh, D T, you making me blush through my chocolate skin
0: now. Come on, <laughs> come on now. You know you ain't supposed to see people like me blushing like that. All right, no, no, yeah. I love basketball season, but we getting into the nitty gritty of football You're and we have a crazy show for you today. We're going to talk about, we both got together before the show and we both gave out five sleepers, five busts for the upcoming 2021 season. So this one is all about sleepers and busts and just guys you should be targeted in your drafts and guys you probably might want to stay away from, especially at the ADP they're at. So... uh Let's just go ahead and get started. We got our sleepers first, and we just kind of broke them down by position. So we'll start with the running back position. These are two guys you're high on, and the first one is going to be Packers running back AJ Dillon, the backup running back to Aaron Jones over there in that Packers offense. What what's got you so high on AJ Dillon this year?
1: Yeah, and you know, usually when you do these sleeper bus conversations or rankings, they're usually like they're pretty top of the top of the echelon type players. And I think it's important for the Dgens and and those that are listening to, you know, these are the people that you're going to potentially have league winners on your bench. You know, these are the the mid tier, the mid to late tier players that you should be able to scoop up on your bench that could bring you fantasy gold. And -hmm. the reason I like AJ Dillon is because, you know, there's no Jamal Williams. And we saw last year, the Green Bay Packers run a pretty balanced offense in terms of distribution and running back by committee. Now, Aaron Jones is easily a top ten draft pick this year in all formats, mainly due to his ability to catch the ball and score touchdowns. This man's a touchdowns machine. But AJ Dillon, he's coming in next. He's coming in this season with the opportunity to to soak up 150 touches. I mean, last year Jamal Williams churned out 740 plus scrimmage yards with three TDs. I don't know if you looked at AJ Dillon compared to Jamal Williams, but it's a it's a different breed. You know what I'm saying? Like we're looking at AJ Dillon as like a future easily RB1 just due to his size and his quickness for his size. I think he's one of the top handcuffs in football right now. And based on how reliant the Packers are on, you know, feeding the rock to their running backs, if anything happens to Aaron Jones, you're looking at a bona fide star out the gates in A.J. Dillon with not having to compete with that many other people for targets or or carries. This team, the Packers, averaged 27.5 rushing attempts per game, which is around 13th in the in the league last year. But all reports are that he looks great, and I think there's a very distinct possibility he's going to spell Aaron Jones, who just got the bag, a lot more than people expect.
0: Yeah, I agree. I completely agree on AJ Dillon. I think the thing with AJ Dillon is we know they're going to, he's going to have a role because we know they don't want to give all the work to Aaron Jones. Like we've been saying this, you hear people like Matthew Berry and all that screaming, free Aaron Jones, free Aaron Jones. And it's just like, no, they're not going to do it. They're not going to give him the entire workload. That's just not how they want to run their team. And AJ Dillon just seems like the guy that can shoulder the load. So I just expect him to get a lot of that short yardage work and to get some of that work at the goal line. And if he vultures a few, touchdowns from Aaron Jones that could really skyrocket his value, especially for, you know, later on in the season. And if you're going at RB zero formats,
1: hundred percent, I think that's a huge RB. If you're going zero RB strategy, these are the types of guys that you should, that you should be able to scoop up and actually have some potential there. So the next guy we're talking, I'm going to talk about Gus Edwards and this guy, I mean, he's just one of the more impressive backs that doesn't get a ton of name notoriety. We know the ba- yeah. the Baltimore Ravens love running the ball. That's their thing. They averaged 35 rush- rushing attempts per game last year, and that was with three running backs plus Lamar Jackson. So these guys love running the ball. Good thing is there's no Mark Ingram in there anymore, and we see that the Baltimore Ravens have also made it a point to get Lamar more help on the outside. They really address the wide receiving room, and rightfully so. So I'd expect him to pass a little bit more. However, that doesn't mean that Gus Edwards goes away just because J.K. Dobbins he is there to compete with. Dobbins has all the upside in terms of his ADP. But really where the value pick lies is with Gus Edwards. This man amassed over 700 yards in each of his first three seasons in the NFL with under 150 carries each time. 5.2 yards per carry for his career. He scored six tutties last year. Who's to say that this guy is not going to be the red zone goal line back for the Ravens? Now, J.K. Dobbins is definitely the sexy guy that, you know what I'm saying, everybody's drafting really high on because he's going to get work in the pass game and he can produce on the ground, but Gus Edwards, the bus isn't going anywhere, and I think he can legitimately be a consistent flex play RB3 that could produce potentially RB2 or RB1 numbers if something should happen to J.K. Dobbins. Absolutely. If anything
0: happens to JK Dobbins, he's literally like top 12 RB that week has to be. And I think, I think the thing that I, I kind of struggle with Gus Edwards. is like, you don't know what's the week to play him. You don't know what's the week. Right. He, he can break out for two touchdowns, any game easily. And it's like, which one is the week that he's going to do that? And which one is he going to be like, just kind of one of those more flexy kind of backs. Uh, kind of RB three type uh, players, so I kind of struggle on Gus Edwards a little bit. I love him in best ball. like I just love his upside right. in baseball. But in redraft, I'm kind of kind of a little bit nervous. But I love what you, I love the uh, the opportunity that he has, especially if anything were to happen to JK Dobbins in that offense. All right, uh, moving on to the receivers, we got a guy that I absolutely love this year, and I'm not understanding why he's going so late in drafts, and that is uh, Miami Dolphins wide receiver, Will Fuller, Will Fuller. Do you know, look, just take a guess before he went out with, you know, the PED suspension and all of that. And this was literally the only year Will Fuller was completely healthy. Like that's the, that was the argument. That was the argument every single year of Will Fuller's career. Like, okay, is he going to stay healthy this year? If he stays healthy, he's a top, a top 10, top 12, top 15 type of guy across from DeAndre Hopkins. Then DeAndre Hopkins leaves. Now it's like, oh, he can be a top ten guy on his own if he stays healthy through weeks one through twelve last season. Will Fuller was the wide receiver eight in fantasy before he went out with that suspension. He was the wide receiver eight in fantasy. Do you know how unreal that is for a guy like that? He was and cooking. now he's going over, and now he's going to Miami where all he want to do is air the ball out. They're opening up the playbook for two of this year. Last year was Tua's rookie year. They just throwing him out there. They was like, all right, we're going to give him real conservative throws, you know, light work to Mike Gusecki to the tight ends, light work to Miles Gaskin, who we'll talk about later. And now they're giving him the opportunity to throw the ball downfield like we've seen at Alabama. We know how he can do this. And Will Fuller is going to be the absolute beneficiary of that. Yes, he's going to be suspended for one more game, serving that, serving out that suspension last season, but – when he comes back, he's definitely going to be the deep ball target. He's going to get a couple of intermediate routes that is going to be able to give him the ball to, but I just can't pass up on a guy that was wide receiver 8 through the first 12 weeks of last year before he went out with that suspension. This is going to, he's going to be a man on a mission. He's going to be good, and he's exactly what this Miami team needs. So
1: while I love that you're so high and enthusiastic over Will Fuller, let me remind you that who was his quarterback in Houston? I believe it was a guy named Deshaun Watson. Okay. All right. A, a tad bit better than Tua Viola. And while I, I love to, that, I mean, the stat that you pulled, I mean, I had him on, on Dynasty formats. I, I've never actually rostered Will Fuller in any redraft league. And he was. I mean, this guy was unstoppable and rightfully so. But let's be honest here. The only time this man was healthy was when he was getting popped for PEDs. Am I wrong or am I wrong? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy is glass. But like, he's every going time- in
0: the 10th round. He's going in the 10th round. He's basically free. He's literally basically somebody that has the potential. In the 10th in the round, who are you drafting with the potential to be the wide receiver 8 or the wide receiver, even a, a wide receiver 1? Who has that potential in the 10th round?
1: Yeah, you're probably going to be dealing with people like Brandon Cooks, who I also don't like. I just, I mean, even with the mouths defeat, feed, you know what I'm saying? Like the the Miami Dolphins did a good job of getting Jalen Waddle. They got Devontae Parker, who was their their best receiver last year. Yeah, I, I'd just be, I'm hard pressed, man. They have a lot of weapons, and I don't know that I can rely on him. He's already down one game, so you got to put him on. He's already going to be rotten on your bench for week one. Maybe he's got to get up to speed a little bit in the offense, but he's a burner. Like that's what he does. He's kind of to me him and Mike Williams. There's no difference. I don't, the difference is I like Mike Williams more than I like Will Fuller. So you're in on him. I'm out. But I'm sure that Fuller will be productive if he can stay on the field. Then that's the thing. That's the question I have. Can he stay on the field? I don't. And you is is Tua really going to be that guy? You're expecting him to be that guy. Yeah. Munaf be, and I were talking right. earlier. His player prop for his rece- his, his uh, passing yards is 4,000 yards right now. I don't know what Vegas is smoking, but I'm not seeing it. Uh, maybe I'm just cooling in the back, not having faith in Tua, but yeah, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a, a run heavy offense. I don't know. It's going to be more balanced. Not to say that it's going to be garbage and you know Tua's not going to be doing his thing. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be a better team. He's going to play better, but Will Fuller, fantasy. Uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's good. I think two will be better, not to the
0: tune of 4,000 yards. I don't think he'll be that good, but I think he's definitely to take a, better, a stronger leap and enough to get Mike, uh, not Mike, but Will Fuller some fantasy yeah. value. Now, my next guy that we were just talking about is Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers, who has Justin Herbert, who is a significantly better quarterback than two of this time right now. But, however... Justin Herbert is getting a new offensive staff this year. Mike Williams is there, and he's the deep ball guy. Like, he is the deep ball guy. He is the explosive play guy. That's the plays that Justin Herbert loves to make. He thrives to make those plays. He looks for those plays, and Mike Williams is going to be the beneficiary of those plays. Now, I know it's a struggle to say that oh, Mike Williams is my sleeper this year because it feels like Mike Williams is the sleeper every year. Like, I feel like every year it's like, oh yeah, this is the year Mike Williams is going to break out. And then it doesn't happen. And then we're like, oh, no, 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 this is the year Mike Williams is going to break out. And then it doesn't happen. And it never happens. It never happens. But I promise you, okay, this time, this is it. This is it. This is the year that Mike Williams is going to do it. If Mike Williams doesn't do it this year, then all right, I'm done with them. I will never come on here again and say Mike Williams is going to be a breakout but this, this is his year because Justin Herbert's second year in the league, they're going to be pushing a tempo on that team. Keenan Allen isn't getting any younger, and he's also just going to be peppered with targets. They lost Hunter Henry. That's going to be really big for them. Really, really big that, you know, Hunter Henry and all those targets are gone. And I think Mike Williams can be the beneficiary of getting a, a few more targets, maybe not all deep throws. Maybe he gets some short intermediate work in to mix in there as well. But this is just a big play guy. I think this offense can move the ball, especially with Austin Eckler back in the fold and he's able to. Um, to shoulder that workload off of Herbert a little bit, but they're going to get into the red zone. And when they get into the red zone, they're going to look for big Mike Williams down there. I expect this, and it's really hard to differentiate like, you know, touchdowns touchdowns are so fluky like it's never you can't really predict touchdowns but mike williams is the body type he has the type to get a lot of touchdowns and they're going to need somebody in that red zone to go to and i think mike williams is the guy and i don't think it's hard pressed to say that mike williams can have double digit touchdowns this season because he's just that kind of player like this is still a uh former number one pick like first pick in, the, um i mean first round draft pick so I really think that this is the breakout year for Mike Williams. I think that this is the opportunity he needs. There's not as many um, mouths to feed. You know he's going to get targets after Austin Eklund, after Keenan Allen. And I don't know. I just think this is it. Like, I think that the touchdowns are going to be there. When we look at the end of the season, he may not have all the yardage you would like to see. But if you have 11, 12 touchdowns on the season, you're going to have a great fantasy year.
1: Yeah. And and I think that this was a, you know, I mentioned Mike Williams and that I'd be higher on him than, than Will Fuller. And, and I agree. Like, I think, how many times can we say this is Mike Williams time? This is his time. He's always that guy, kind of how you described um, Gus Edwards. You don't know how to play him. I get the same feeling out of Mike Williams. I feel like every time he goes off for, you know, 115, 130 yards on, on, and two touchdowns, he's sitting on my bench, but I agree with the, you know, Joe Lombardi's now there as their offensive coordinator. I think we'll see now with an improved offensive line, hopefully Herbert Herbert will will have more time in the pocket. He'll be able to deliver some of those throws and be able to hit not only the deep ball, because that's what Mike Williams does, but I think that's what usually gets Mike Williams in trouble he'll just go all out on a, on a deep ball, break his back. And then next thing you know, he's missing some games. Yep. If he can actually play between the seams and play and play with body control, I think we're going to actually see the opportunity for this guy to really be a stud. I mean, he put up a thousand yards just two years ago. Doesn't really demand a lot of targets to produce it, which is a good thing, right? Like you want people that get the ball in their hands, they're dynamic, and then they could take it to the house. I think that's what you're getting when you're buying into Mike Williams. And, you know, just for, some context, He ranked 14th in the year in the last year in air yards, which is great because, you know, obviously J- Justin Herbert is going to be mailing it with his with his arm. But I think now that they have a little bit more of a balanced offense with Austin Eckler back and healthy in the O-line, I think we could see a, a more versatile offense here that's going to really maybe not be as predicated on Keenan Allen catching everything. They'll spread the ball a little bit more, be more balanced, ultimately be a better team. But yeah, I think Mike Williams is going to be a really good player this year. Definitely scoop him up on as a bench wide receiver, wide receiver three. Yep, absolutely. Mike Williams, former
0: crimp, former Clemson Tiger. And now we have Terrence Marshall, who beat the Clemson Tigers in the 2019 um national championship. He's now with the Carolina Panthers this season. Rookie Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, third receiver in that offense. And I, I like this pick. I, I, I'm kind of mad I didn't say his name my own, but, because when you look at the numbers, he really should be good. This Carolina offense supported three top 25 receivers last year in PPR scoring three, with I Teddy mean, Bridgewater as quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think PJ Walker started a game, so like these, they still had three top twenty-five receivers at quarter at um at wide receivers. So yeah, just talk about say, your guy Terrence Marshall. I really
1: love this pick. Yeah, and I think you, you you teased it pretty well there, man. And I think it's really around this Carolina offense and. Granted, I guess you could take it for a grand assault salt that they supported three receivers in the top 25, mainly because CMC was out for a majority of the year, and he's going to soak up uh, um, some of those targets. But when I see Terrace Marshall Jr., man, I, all I see is burners, size, and opportunity. Second-round draft cap- capital out of LSU. This dude is ready to ball right now. To me, I mean, you're in Carolina right now. We're, you're in Charlotte. This is where the yep. Panthers play. Mm-hmm. I can't help but, but get... Um, I can't help but get memories of Musa Muhammad with this guy. Big size, can catch the ball, incontested. He's got a little bit of wheels on him, and with Curtis Samuel out of the question now, that's 97 vacated targets for the wide receiver three that just yep. comes in there to play the slot. This guy's going to be a, a mismatch nightmare for any linebacker in the slot, and you can also move him to the outside if you want to. But where I really see the value with this guy is is by the is is by the red zone and. If CMC goes down for whatever reason, which, you know, he has a lot of tread on his tires, but just in general, I think Sam Darnold has plenty of weapons right now. We know that he has rapport with Robbie Anderson. He's going to be hitting DJ Moore in the seams, but when it's the time for a big play and to score touchdowns, you're going to the big man. I love Terrace Marshall here. I think he could really be a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. God forbid anything happens to the wide receivers in front of him, this guy's going to be, he's going to come onto the scene and make noise. And we've already seen it. Three catches for 88 yards, caught a 60 yard bomb in his first preseason game. Let's go. And don't be surprised. I know Sam Darnold's on your, your sleeper list, but if PJ Walker gets time, we already see they got rapport there. So I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I think that, you know, to the little discredit to Terrence Marshall is that if you watch that preseason game, he really should have scored on that 60 yard catch. Yeah, he was just he like have. the, the, uh, cornerback caught up to him a little bit and he was able to bring him down. It was like, oh man, you should have been a little bit faster. You definitely should have gotten the end zone there. He had him beat. It was a great move. Yeah. No. Um, like I said, I'm here in the city in Charlotte and I think the hype for Terrence Marshall is there. They're There is a little bit of hype around this team and that they can be better. I am higher on the Panthers than a lot more other people are this year, and I think they'll be able to do a lot of big things. All right, moving on to our next guy, we've got the wide receiver from New England, Jacoby Myers, the um, undrafted uh, rookie last year who kind of broke out a little bit last year. He had three games of um, double-digit targets towards the second half of the season when he really started to get some burn. And I'm really basing this off of what I'm seeing from camp, like whether it's Cam Newton or Matt Jones starting, both of them have a great rapport with Jacoby Myers. Like both of them look for him as like, hey, if I need to move the chains, I'm going to that guy which is surprising because normally when you have that check down guy, you more think of a check down guy like your tight end or your running back, somebody to get it real safe. No, those guys are looking for Jacoby Myers to come across the middle of the field and to kick it down to him and keep the chains moving. I think Jacoby Myers is going to have a breakout year this year. Um, He kind of showed it a couple times with uh, the game last year, week nine against the New York Jets where he had 169 yards and then had another 100-yard game against Miami. Both two teams in division dropping 100-yard 100, 100 bombs against them both. And then he um also is just loaded with targets. He, if you just look at his target log as you go on to the second half of the season, when he really started to break it out, you see 10 targets, 14 targets, 7 targets, 6 targets, 6 targets, 5 targets, 10 targets. Like This guy really, really broke out into the scene last year, and now he's definitely one of those guys that Bill Belichick can trust. I think Jacoby Myers is going to have a great season this year. I think that he's somebody that Cam trusts. He's somebody that Matt Jones trusts. And that's really, like, better than any stat that you can really give sometimes. Like, just that rapport that you have with the quarterback, no matter who it is, either one, whether Cam stays in there for three, four games, and then Matt Jones come in, or whether Cam finishes out the season, you can always expect Jacoby Myers to be there and be able to get a a number of targets, even with Johnu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, and all those guys coming into that offense.
1: Yeah, man, I completely agree with this one. And if we watch the preseason game, like we're recording this Wednesday uh, Thursday night, but Jacoby Myers scored a touchdown uh, tonight, and yep. I thought he looked great. He's the only receiver that I want to roster in fan in redraft leagues. Nikhil Harry is a distant. He may not. He honestly might get cut at this point. Did you see that ball that he dropped from <laughs> Mac Jones? Like, bro, I think that they just stand there like he got trade hurt. Him. Yeah, I, think I mean, they're I don't even know. Yeah, his his trade value is going to shit, especially after moments like that. And you know, if we're looking at somebody that you're going to roster, it's got to be it's got to be Jacoby Myers, like he's the guy. And you know, Hunter Henry's already hurt. Jonu Smith, I think he's he might have sprained an ankle or so. If Mac Jones gets into Mac Jones is going to start. It's a matter of when, right? And once this offense actually goes. Th- turns to him, he's going to be a fantasy asset. So this is one of those guys that you want to grab, you know, on your bench playing for the long game, you know, come week seven, week eight, week nine, you might luck up and find a wide receiver, wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. When you have someone that throws downfield as much as Mac Jones appears that he's going to do. I mean, he's got precision, love what he's, what I've seen out of Jacoby Myers and he's raving in all of the beat writers reports. So I think you're spot on with this one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super hyped for Jacoby Myers.
0: I don't think anybody's really targeting just because of the array of quarterback. You know, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And right now it seems like the Patriots have two quarterbacks. So I think he's just falling in drafts for that reason. So I'm perfectly glad scooping him up. And then, all right, now we're going to move in. We're going to stay inside the AFC East. And we're going to talk about a Buffalo Bill and Gabriel Davis. And I truly think Gabriel Davis is one of those guys that I'm saying that I have to leave within my draft. I have to have Gabriel Davis shares this season, just because of the disarray that's going on with um, Cole Beasley right now. And, you know, he. It sounds like people are thinking he might not even make it to the team. I don't know if I 100% go that far, but some people feel like he's going to get cut for the things that he's been saying um, in regard to COVID-19 and the vaccine this offseason. But even more importantly, John Brown is not there anymore. And that was the thing that was holding Gabriel Davis back. Solely John Brown was what was holding Gabriel Davis back. When, uh, John Brown wasn't there when John Brown wasn't starting Gabriel Davis had games of three of touchdowns he had three games straight of of a touchdown each averaging uh 13.2 fantasy points in all three of those games and then towards the end of the season yeah he kind of fell off a little bit um especially with you know the fact that the Buffalo Bills would just be up so big. They wouldn't have to play play that hard. I don't expect the Bills to be that great this year as they were last year where they were just dominating teams. You look at his game at Denver, 48-19, 39, uh, 38-9 against the New England Patriots, an absolute beatdown. And then he bounces back in a game against Miami. Where they, um, where they beat them 56-26 with 18.7 fantasy points. So I think that Gabriel Davis has the space and opportunity now with Mike, with not Mike, but with John Brown gone, to really break out into that second wide receiver outside of Stephon Diggs that can have fantasy value Yes, Emmanuel Sanders is there, but no, I'm not afraid of Emmanuel Sanders. Like, Emmanuel Sanders is not, Emmanuel Sanders is liable not to be on the roster week one. So, I'm not afraid of Emmanuel Sanders taking targets away from Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is the unquestioned number two on this team. And I think if anybody has a chance to take targets from him, it's probably McKenzie, the third wide receiver. But Gabriel Davis is the unquestioned number two on this team. They really like what they have in this kid. And I think that he's going to thrive this year. And I don't know, this is another guy that you can expect to score a lot, especially
1: with all the attention that's going to be on Stephon Diggs. I mean, once again, we agree, bro. And I'm very high on Gabriel Davis. And for for much of the reasons that you said, there's a lot of unknowns with Cole Beasley. And while this guy, you know, had over 100 targets or near, near 100 targets, you know, if he's not there... You're only looking at Emmanuel Sanders. who's 34 years old, not getting any younger. And while he had a good season last year, I'm not expecting any kind of repeat of that. What I am expecting is for Gabe Davis to grow. The rookie saw 73% of the snaps last season already when John Brown went down. On those final six weeks when John Brown didn't play, he got 88%. This guy is not leaving the field. He Mm. scored seven touchdowns last year on only, like, what, 35 receptions? Like, this this guy I think is re- really going to be one good. of those one of those back end wide receivers that you could scoop super late that is not going to cost you a lot. You just got to know when to pull it, but you need to pull that trigger because he's going to be an asset this year. Josh Allen is going to be pushing the ball down the field. Stephon Diggs, really, I mean, he can't be stopped, but. That doesn't mean that they won't throw double teams, and guess what? Someone else is going to be open, and more than likely, we know that the running backs of the, the, the Buffalo Bills aren't, aren't much, right? So if we're talking about passing game reliability, I think there's a really safe floor for what Gabe Davis is about to produce, and I think he, you could do a lot worse. I would rather have him than Will Fuller. I'd rather have him than Mike Davis. Like, it's let's come back. Comes back. It always comes back. To Will <laughs> it always comes back to Will Fuller. Everybody's no, got man. their guys that they can't stand. Mine is is hundred percent Will Fuller. <laughs> but it's all good <laughs> though. We agree.
0: We're on a roll right now though, so it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And Gabe Davis is going in like the fourteenth round of drafts. Like he's absolutely free. Yeah, absolutely free. That's somebody I definitely got to make sure I'm coming away with. But all right, let's get into the quarterbacks. And we both got a quarterback here we kind of like on our sleeper list. I'm going to let you go first and talk about the guy from Chicago, Justin Fields.
1: Uh, What is there to say, man? I think, you know, there's Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, Red Rifle, whatever you want to call him. (laughs) Everyone's looking at the man like he's got this new this new feel to him. He's got a goatee. He's feeling himself. He says it's his time. It's not, bro. Like it's it it was never your time. Like it was your time in Cincinnati. You're a fill-in stop gap for the inevitable, which is Justin Fields taking the field. And I'm targeting this guy, and I was talking about it um to a homie the other day. And I think there's a real opportunity here if you want to do a streaming strategy here for like the first four weeks of the season, maybe you pick a Matt Ryan late or somebody else that can just fill the gap that has a really good schedule. Scoop up Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I'm I'm more heavy, I'm more high on Justin Fields because I think he's going to see the field first, mainly because Andy Dalton sucks. We know who Andy Dalton is. Matt Nagy did not spend that draft capital to watch this guy that in his debut went 14 for 20 for 142 yards in a TD. And oh, by the way, rushed for 33 yards in another TD with a passer reign of over 107. And they won the game. This guy's a dog. He got disrespected. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Sign me up for Justin Fields. I think he can be fantasy relevant in year one while only playing, you know, upwards of, you know, maybe nine or 10 games just because he might be sitting for a little while before they get Andy Dalton the hell out of there. But so, Justin Fields is a guy you need to target in redraft, one quarterback leagues as a backup if you want to have a stopgap for a guy that has the upside to be in the conversation for a top 10 quarterback because he's a dual threat, a true dual threat quarterback.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it kind of makes me nervous. He's an Ohio State quarterback. We, don't, we ain't really seen a good one of those. We haven't, but uh, he went to Georgia first, so maybe we'll go ahead and give him a pass that because he went to Georgia first, but I don't know. The jury's still out on them Ohio State guys. I ain't seen it work yet, but, you know, maybe Ryan Day know what he's doing. But all right, getting into the next quarterback, this is, hey, look, I'm planting my flag behind the kid. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Sam Darnold is breaking out this year. This is going to be the guy we've seen at USC. We haven't seen that USC guy yet. We're going to see that USC guy this year. And it's solely because he finally, finally, finally got out of the reins of Adam Gase Adam Gase is now coaching high school football. Sam Darnold does not have to worry about it. He got away from the travesty, the disgusting mess that is the New York Jets organization, and he is down <laughs> here in the Queen City. 704 the Charlotte Panthers. Sam Darnold is taking them boys up 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 We already talked about earlier, they supported three top 25 wide receivers with Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, the ultimate game manager, the guy that will never make a mistake. And you're telling me that Sam Darnold isn't going to get with Joe Brady in that Offense, that offense from LSU with Terrence Marshall, a guy who knows that system with DJ Moore, an absolute burner. And then his old pal, Robbie Anderson. There is no way that Sam Darnold does not stick it to Adam Gates and put up one of the best seasons of his career right here in in Carolina. No way. Absolutely. And then not only add insult to injury, the New York Jets come to Charlotte week one. I'm telling you right now, I'm matter of fact, stamp it, stamp the time right now. This is where you heard it. Sam Darnold is going to be QB one week one of fantasy. Week one, Sam Darnold will be the, not just a, not a top 12 quarterback. He will not be a top 12 quarterback. He will be the QB1 of fantasy. I'm calling it right here. He's going to stick it to the Jets. He's going to stick it to that old organization. And he's going to have a great year over round. This offensive line is better. This defense is better. This is the first time that Sam Darnold is going to have an actual defense to play with. He doesn't have to throw the ball a million other times and play from behind the whole game because he has an actual defense this year that is going to be pretty decent. Yes, they're young. Yes, they got a, a lot of young guys. They put a lot of draft capital in that defense, but they're going to be a lot better, a lot better. And that means the world for Sam Darnold. And if you don't believe me, look at Ryan Tannehill.
1: Oh, man. Talk about spicy, hot. My man is sitting in the South. Wow. That is, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm high on the Carolina Panthers. Probably not as high as you are, but I'm high on them. But what you just described, I mean, I, the fact that he's just out of Adam Gase, Adam Gase's realm, territory, control, whatever. It's literally, it's a disgusting. It's it's literally a disgusting. It's a plus. It's the best thing that possibly could have happened. So I'm with you there. Am I going to be bold enough? Are you going to be bold enough? So I want to see receipts. Are you going to be bold enough to start Sam Darnold QB1 in a redraft league?
0: Redraft, best ball, don't matter. Matter of fact, I'm telling you right now, I'm doing a, a DraftKings million-dollar lineup for week one. Sam Darnold is 100% going to be my QB, 100%. Let's go. Let's 100% go. Sam Darnold is going to be my QB, and he's going to lead me to the million dollars. Absolutely. It's unquestioned wide receiver one. There is no way that Sam Donald does not stick it to the Jets organization, stick it to Zach Wilson, who they took instead of him. They traded him away so they could draft Zach Wilson. And he can have an unquestioned path to be in the starter. No, absolutely Sam Darner's going out there. He's throwing for three, four touchdowns. Robbie Anderson's probably going to take one or two of them in him himself because he's got some beef with the Jets too. So, yeah, I'm 100% with it. Definitely the QB one. I'm calling it. I'm telling you right
1: R- now. Rella's I- given the narrative to shape all Panthers fans, Jets in week one. I'm betting heavy on the Carolina Panthers because there's so much baggage behind this. It absolutely deep. It cuts deep. So, yeah, I, lo- I love the confidence in it, man. I'm not drafting, personally, I'm not drafting Sam Darnold that high, but <laughs> I think there's definitely a realm and a possibility where he's going to be a good quarterback in week one, and for all the reasons that you just said, and I'm, I'm definitely backing that,
0: for sure. When you think about the guys that um can sneak, like that go really late and sneak into the top 12 every year, whether yeah. it be by
1: injury, I think Sam Darnold is 100% that quarterback that could sneak into the top 12 this year. See that's like that that actually plays like perfect into a scenario of I draft Sam Darnold to be my week one quarterback, but then I'm I'm sitting here stashing a Trey Lance or or a Justin Fields. Like that's exactly yep, how I'm absolutely
0: playing. absolutely, especially if he waited on QBs. That I would love right. to have Sam Darnold, especially for that week one matchup, and then you know figure it out from when, from there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, so we're going to get into our last sleeper and uh, the tight end category, and you got a guy by the name of Irv Smith Jr. from the Minnesota Vikings. What you think about Irv Smith?
1: Irv, good old Irv, man. I think he finally found an opportunity to get some decent playing time and produce, mainly because B.C. Johnson, he was the wide receiver three in, in Minnesota before he went down with an Achilles injury, was an ACL It was definitely a significant injury that's going to put him out for the year. And Kyle Rudolph has now been shipped out to the New York Giants. So he's going to compete for targets with Evan Ingram, leaving a combined opportunity of 80 targets to the former Alabama tight end. And, you know, still extremely young. We know how there's these third third year breakout candidates for the tight end position I'm signing up for Irv Smith Jr. I think this is going to be the time where he's going to see way more opportunities to score the ball in the red zone. He'll get some additional attention because Adam Thielen, who we'll talk about in a little bit, I think he's going to have some te- some touchdown regression here. He had 14 touchdowns last year. There's no way in hell that he replicates that. I think we're going to see Justin Jefferson's go up and someone else's is going to go up magically. And I'm calling it to be Mr. Irv Smith Jr. No, yeah, I absolutely
0: love that take. I think that um, he's just like a really big guy, like a basketball player out there. Yeah, up- athletic. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Ab- super athletic. And I think that, you know, with Kyle Rudolph out of there, he's definitely going to get an uptick in targets. And especially in the tight end position where you're just looking for that guy that scores touchdowns. Like after you get past those first few guys, like you're just like, all right, I just really need somebody that's going to score touchdowns every single mm-hmm. week. And I think Irv has that opportunity Especially when they get the ball in um, in the red zone and super close, and you know Dalvin Cook's not working out, they're trying to um, move it along the goal line, and they just throw it up to the big tight end to go get it. So I definitely love that tape. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips, get all your favorite teams, players, sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football and more. Great promos, odds and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer of a risk free $500 sports bet. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit WynNBet.com to start winning. We are also brought to you by PropSwap. PropSwap is the number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money, it just needs to improve. For example, last year the Buffalo Bills were 35 to one to win the Super Bowl DT, 35 to one. After they won, after they reached the AFC Championship game, a PropSwap customer who bet $100 on the bills before the season sold that ticket for $900. After that, it was a 800% return on that ticket that ended up losing because of a guy named Pat Mahomes. Don't forget that. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes $500 per month, just listing and selling tickets. And when making your best, just remember, go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit, and then keep the other just so you can have some skin in the game. Get started today by going to Propswap.com or download the Propswap app. Propswap, where America buys and sells sports bets. We are also brought to you by Pixwise. Pixwise is the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays. Helmed by a team of trend watching, data devouring sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport. All of for free. Visit pixwise.com to make your next bet better. Pixwise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports including the UEFA Champions League, the Europa League, Italy's Series A, Argentina's Primera División, Brazil Al, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers featuring the stars of the U.S. and men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of a beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappé, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be a part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And the SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts, don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. And we're back and we're talking about bust. The guys who might necessarily not have the best season relative to their ADP and where they're going in drafts right now. So we got a handful of running backs and wide receivers to talk about. And we're going to start with a guy that is number one bust on my list. I know that people are going to get on me. I know everybody doesn't agree with me but it's 100% for me, Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going way too high in drafts for me right now, DT. I cannot do it. I cannot reach that high for him. He's going in as RB11 ahead of guys like Antonio Gibson, who I actually think is a really good breakout this year, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who should have a really good bounce back year, and then DeAndre Swift, who is an absolute dog. And I just think that, this offensive line and the offense for the Steelers is just too questionable for me to think that they're just going to automatically bring this rookie in and make him the RB1, like one of the RB1s in fantasy this year. They were 30th in rush attempts last year and last in rushing yards and yards per attempt last year. The offensive line couldn't stop anything, couldn't block anything. And Andrew Villabuneva, who was their number one run blocker, PFF graded last year, is now gone. He's not there anymore. They're basically reshuffling that entire offensive line, so there's no continuity along that unit at all. And now uh, Najee has to run behind that, and you're going to tell me that he's going to be an RB1 this year. In his first season, I'm not necessarily behind that. I believe in the talent of the player. I think he's really good, but I do not think that that Steelers team is just in the predicament to support an RB1 right now, especially with Big Ben still there. And you know that he's going to want to sling the ball around. I don't expect that team to be very good. So I think they're going to be playing in negative game script all the time. And he's showing us like a lot of promise in the preseason. He's getting all the snaps, but again, it's preseason. I don't expect for this to show up into really, really good fantasy value. That's going to justify taking him as an RB one this year.
1: It's uh of the bold variety, you know what I'm saying? Like I haven't heard too many people that have been out on Najee Harris, but I appreciate it because it's not like Pittsburgh has the easiest strength of schedule. In fact, they have the hardest and you're going to be going up against a division two times a year that features the Browns, the Ravens. And you know what I'm saying? Like I, uh, that's going to be a really tough sleddy, man. And, and, and I don't care that he's built, he's built like, like a three, three down back, but I think you're right, man. I got, I don't know that. This offense just automatically changes to a run first scheme just because, you know, Najee Harris is in the building. Now, I think he'll still be valuable, but I I tend to agree with you in terms of ADP. Sitting at round 11, sitting at pick overall number 11, I'd rather have Antonio Gibson. I'd rather have CEH. I'd rather have DeAndre Swift in certain cases. Um, So I'm with you in terms of, like, relative to his ADP. I don't have very many shares of Najee Harris in redraft league, and I'm also not particularly targeting him either. If he falls into my lap late second round, sure. But I'm not going to be reaching for a Pittsburgh running back this early on with so much unprovenness in terms of their offensive scheme, trusting Big Ben to actually play healthy and not just be a pass first offense. Cause that's what we saw last year. There's a whole lot of Juju, a whole lot of Deontay, and it's going to be even more chase Claypool. So a lot of mouths to feed. I think he'd be a good goal line back, but not really sure about everything else.
0: Yeah. And so Najee's not making it out the second round. Like, just as you said, like if somebody sees him there, you know, back of the second round, he's normally gone by there. Normally an early second round pick in most drafts. Um, I just don't – I think that what's more likely is that he finishes around the 20 to 24 section of running backs. You know, somebody that was good, somebody that helped you many weeks. But if you're drafted somebody in the early second round and they finish as a RB2, you're going to be pretty upset at that. And I just don't think that I'm willing – I can't see myself drafting Najee Harris at all this this season. I can't see a predicament where I draft him just because I like the upside – of a guy like Antonio Gibson, who could literally be the RB one in fantasy. I don't see that upside for Najee Harris, but all right, let's move over to one of your guys and somebody that you're in this year. And that's uh the former charger. Now, Denver Bronco, Melvin Gordon. What's the, what's the gripes about Melvin Gordon this year?
1: The gripe about Melvin Gordon is that it's Melvin Gordon. Uh, I think we saw last year he had a really good season, but So good of a season that they decided to draft Javante Williams out of UNC. And to me, from what I've seen, he's looked great. And it's only a matter of time before he takes over that starting running back uh, role in Denver. Drew Locks looked more more competitive and better this offseason. It is the preseason right now, so I'm not too crazy on him. I love Jerry Judy in this offense, no matter who the quarterback is. And I'm hoping it's actually Teddy... Two gloves, two gloves, Teddy. Um, but we'll see how it ends up. But the one person that I think is going to be out of place is going to be Melvin Gordon. And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't, you know, they're maybe they're doing some last-minute cramming and Melvin Gordon just stands out because of name notoriety. Fade this man. He might go off for a couple of games here and there, but trust, long and behold, it's going to be Javante Williams' backfield. His player props are right now sitting at over 800 yards. I think he's going to, I think he could definitely smash through that once they see that this guy is going to be the best capable back in the backfield for Denver. And I just can't get behind Melvin Gordon in any format. I don't have any shares in dynasty. I haven't drafted him for, I don't think I've had, I don't think I've ever actually owned Melvin Gordon on a fantasy team. And point me back to the time where Melvin Gordon was the one that required that the one that helped you bring home a fantasy title. I'll wait. So yeah, I'm out on, on Melvin Gordon.
0: I think that Melvin Gordon is kind of biting his time in Denver. Uh, you don't trade up for a running back in the second round and you don't have plans for him. Like is Javante right. Williams backfield? And it's just a matter of fact of when it's going to be now, is there enough carries um, and workload to go around? Yes, absolutely, because Phillip Lindsay left a dominating workload uh, when he went off and signed with the um, Houston Texans. So I think that is enough work for them to split carries in the backfield, but I can't imagine um, a world where we're talking at the end of the season and Melvin Gordon is still the lead back in his backfield. I think it's Javante Williams' backfield, and it's just a matter of when does he take it over. All right, getting up into our next guy, we're going to talk about another MG over in the Miami Dolphins, and that's Miles Gaskin. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am not gassing Miles Gaskin at all this year. I'm not he. He is so inflated this year that it's absolutely ridiculous. Like it is literally ridiculous how inflated he is this year. and it's because of how he did last year. He was the sole one of the sole fantasy um, contributors for that Miami Dolphins team. And the fact is, is that he's going too high now. He's going too high. He was really good when you got him as a sleeper last year, but now he's way too high. He's going in the fourth round and he's going around names like uh, Mike Davis that I'm really high on, Travis Etienne, Kareem Hunt, um Raheem Mostert and we're going to talk about him a little bit more but I'm even higher on Raheem Mostert than Miles Gaskin I just think that this team was ultra conservative last year especially when Tua came in and Tua took over uh this team really didn't want to put Tua in too many spots they let him do a few check downs to the running back and that's where you would see his target increase um where he would just catch catch balls because he was just checking down checking down checking down now I think this time this team after another year with Tua and Tua has an actual offense, uh, actual off season to run this offense offense. Then I think that they're going to be pushing down the field, pushing down the field, pushing down the field. This is going to be a year where Brian Flores is very, very intentional about this offense, and he wants to push the ball down the field. I don't think that they're going to do all these checkdowns that they did last year to Miles Gaskin, and that's really where he got his fantasy points. Where he, uh, it was a lot of it was coming down from those checkdowns and just the amount of targets that he was getting each, each game. So I'm not necessarily high on Miles Gaskin. Uh, I think that the jury is still out on him if he is one of those like elite fantasy producers that running back. And I just think in the fourth round, there's a lot of other guys, there's a lot of other receivers, a lot of other running backs that I would rather take than Miles Gaskin. I'd rather go quarterback in the fourth round than go Miles Gaskin at this point. I just don't think that um I think the hype is too much from last season and it, it's inflated into his
1: ADP way too high. He shouldn't be going that high. So you know, I live in Cali, so I might have to ship out some real gas for you because I don't get what you're smoking, that you don't want this. Like, no, uh-uh. come on, Miles Gaskin. Like, now I'm not saying he's going to be an RB1, but I think he's definitely insurance if you're going RB heavy. As an RB3, you know, flex play, possible RB2. If you wind up snagging a couple wide receivers, do not make him your RB1. That's not going to work out very well for you. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot of promise in a guy like Miles Gaskin, mainly because of what you described. I know that you said that the Dolphins and Brian Flores want to push the ball down the field, but reality is, Tua's arm isn't all that. So, I'm liking the fact that he soaked up 41 receptions for 388 yards on the ground in a minimal amount of games. I mean, this guy had an 87% catch rate in his second season in the league. He almost had 1,000 scrimmage yards and only 183 touches. So if this guy can stay healthy, I think he's going to be the best back of a potential running back committee, but I think he's still going to see the line share of the uh, the the carries and the opportunity. So Salvin Ahmed is behind him. Malcolm Brown, the journeyman, just came back. He's not really a journeyman, but he's been in the league for a minute. And, you know, I think that those are definitely going to be competitors for his 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 shot at it. But I think he's going to get first crack. He is only 5'10", 200. That's like me if I wanted to just sit on my ass and not do shit. So he's not very big. And at this point... You know, I think it, it would probably behoove the the Miami Dolphins to spread out their carries to make sure this guy can last for a full season because they haven't seen that yet. I don't know that we know that he's a three down back. So what you're describing is I would fade that ADP if you're expecting a three down back because I don't think he's going to be that. But he's still going to be valuable, especially in PPR half point PPR for his catching ability and what we saw in only a limited amount of time last year, where he scored you know five total touchdowns in. Uh, seven games that he started. Yeah, and I get that, but it's just too much. It's too
0: much around this guy, and I just can't. Like, is Miles Gaskin really going to take targets away from Devontae Parker? Is he really going to take targets away from Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller when Will Fuller comes back there? Like, they're gonna feed these other guys targets and. Malcolm Brown came in for a reason. They brought Malcolm Brown in for a reason. They needed that depth. And Malcolm Brown is going to come in and he's going to dominate some of that receiving workload. Like he's going to take some of that workload from him. Miles Gaskin really didn't have any competition with anybody last year. And now Malcolm Brown is there. Malcolm Brown is going to give him a run for his money and dominate some of those touches. So, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I think that this is way too high. He's basically going as an RB2. I think he's more in the RB3 category, flex category, something like that. Uh, if, if you went receiver heavy, I'm probably still, I'm probably going to go the zero RB format and just pass on Miles Gaskin and go get some of these other guys later. But uh, I just don't, I don't see it for him. I don't see it for him. And I also don't see it for this other guy in Arizona named Chase Edmonds. I just, Chase Edmonds is going too high for me. Chase Edmonds is going too high for me and a guy that's in a committee, man. Uh, James Conner is now there. So they got rid of Kay and Drake. In comes James Conner. And now Chase Edmonds thinks that he has the chance to be the lead back like. I this this hasn't been him like that's not him that has not been him at all in his career he's always been that second guy he's always been that pass catching running back that kind of comes down comes in on second and third third downs does really good in pass protection and can make some plays in space but of his 217 carries in the NFL Chase Edmonds has one carry inside of the 6 yard line one of 217 carries, he has one carry inside the six yard line. So he instantly has less touchdowns than any starting running back. You'll probably see James Conner come in for that, for those. And then now he has to split the touches that he is getting with James, Con- James Conner. He's being drafted as like an RB2 right now. And I think he's really more of a flex appeal running back that if James Conner goes down with injury, which of course it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen, but am I going to draft and beg for James Conner to go down with an injury? No, I don't think Chase Edmonds is the lead back in his backfield. I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split, and James Conner is probably going to get more of the early down route work, and then Chase Edmonds comes in on later downs, but I'm not buying into the preseason hype at all. Yes, he got you know a lot of workload. He had like 13 carries um 13 uh snaps or three 13 touches early on in the game um that they played in this last preseason game but I'm just not buying it I'm not buying it I don't think Chase Edmonds is worth that capital and there's a lot other guys that I'd like to see go there
1: ah uh, man you know I just gotta disagree here you know it's uh <laughs> It's more so because I just don't trust James Conner at all and you you pointed it out it's the health thing. James Conner has not had a has not gone through an entire NFL season in his four-year career thus far. Um and to be honest, I just don't think that James Conner I mean he fits in as the goal line back like we know Kenyon Drake last year he was primarily used um by the red zone, you know, he had 10 touchdowns there. I think Chase Edmonds is really going to be the guy that's going to be on the field the most because this is a four-wide receiver offense, spread offense, a lot of movement, a lot of misdirection. I think we're going to see Chase on the field a lot more. I think Kingsbury is probably playing for his job, let's be honest here. This offense is dynamic, but the defense is atrocious. So if they're going to be playing in high-tempo offense, I just don't see a realm where they're leading by a lot of points, and then plotter James Conner is going to come here and soak up all the opportunity. I actually think it's going to be more of Chase Evans' backfield. I think he is an RB2, more so RB2 flex. I think he's in that Miles Gaskin category. I probably put Gaskin a little bit higher just for the rushing upside, but, I mean, this guy had 150 touches last year for 850 yards and five touchdowns. I'll take it. You know what I'm but you like never that's... knew when
0: to play him. You never knew when to play him. Whenever Chase Edmonds went off for those yardage, he was just like Naeem Hines. That is my comp for Chase Edmonds, Naeem Hines. You, are, you know he's going to go off. You know he's going to give you those games. You just never know when to play it. And I'm not going to play that game where I'm starting him and I'm hoping he goes off and he has 2.3 fantasy points. I'm not going to do it.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah, that's, 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 that's fair. That's fair. I would just say that I think Kenyon Drake was a better running back complimentary running back than james connor is and by which that. case i say that chase edmonds is going to get slightly better than he was last year just for that fact and if james connor isn't there we'll see i don't know but hmm. well, he's not all injured right, right now he's healthy ish
0: let's, let's play a little quick name game then with chase edmonds and just some guys that are going around him and see see how much you really do like him so would you have chase edmonds or javante williams javante all right would you have Chase Edmonds or
1: Michael Thomas? Chase Edmonds. Really? I, I don't. Want, oh. I don't want no parts of Michael Thomas in that drama. I'm good on that. Chase That's just wasting Ed- away an IR spot. Okay. Chase
0: Edmonds or Jamar Chase. I'm
1: gonna take Edmonds. I'm taking Chase. Depending on whether it's PPR. D- depends on PPR. PPR. All, right. All right. So, we'll, so we'll, let's, do, let's do half PPR scoring. We'll do half PPR scoring. I'm taking Chase. I, I'd rather yeah. have the running back. Wide receivers, diamond dozen. Okay. Uh, let, let's do Chase
0: Edmonds or Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Yeah, I'm taking Damian Harris too. Chase Edmonds or Trey Sermon?
1: Chase Edmonds. Nah, I'm taking Trey Sermon there, man. Trey Sermon's. I don't even be- get Trey yeah. Sermon. We could talk about bustless, but like going to my next guy, I mean it's Raheem yeah. Mostert. And, and, so that's the,
0: and that's how we were gonna <laughs> do this. So last one,
1: last one, Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert. I'm taking Chase, man. <laughs> it's not close. It's not close. <laughs> I don't I have no faith in Raheem Mostert, man. Like it's mainly because he can't stay healthy. When he's on the field, the guy is a beast. He's he's amazing. But we're not. I'm not spending draft capital on a guy that's literally in probably one of the biggest running back committees you could possibly buy. Not only did they not have as much faith in this guy that they went out and was like, "Yo, Wayne Gallman, what are you doing? We we like what you did in Saquon's absence. Why don't you come over here and learn how to run this in a real system?" Plus, you have Trey Sermon, and then you have Elijah Mitchell, and then you have. They just have bodies. Oh, oh, we forgot. Jeff Wilson is on the pup list. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just guys that they can just pick up, throw in whoever they want to get yardage. And that's why I'm staying away from Raheem Mostert. He could have a couple big games, but I don't think you can you – I can't predict what Kyle Shanahan's going to do on a weekly basis. And with their situation at quarterback, I think this would be a lot better offense for any running back if Trey Lance is in there over Garoppolo. But I'm out on Raheem Mostert. His ADP is ridiculous. It should be below Trey Sermons probably um, and definitely well below – Chase Edmonds. (laughs) I wouldn't say
0: well below Chase Edmonds, but those guys are in a similar tier of bust for me. I think that Raheem Mostert is kind of old news in this offense. I think that, and it wasn't no better that he was already threatening to hold out another year because he wanted a better contract. And now they go and they draft the younger, better Trey Sermon, who I think is an absolute dog. And I think Possibly is going to, when it's all said and done, be one of the best running backs that was in his draft class. I'm super high on Trey Sermon. I have a Trey Sermon plus 2,600 ticket sitting in my back pocket. Uh, Actually, I have two of them, one for me and one for Prop Swap that I'm probably going to move on, uh, you know, halfway through the season. But I think Trey Sermon is really going to be in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. And it's all because of that Kyle Shanahan offense. And I just think that the talent is going to prevail and he's going to command the touches. It's not going to be whether, oh, I I have this system, I want to run multiple running backs. Trey Sermon is going to command touches. He's going to catch the ball out the backfield. He's going to run upfield, run strong. And I think that that is going to be the downfall of Raheem Mostert, of how efficient Raheem Mostert was in this offense. I expect that to be tenfold with Trey Sermon in the offense as well. So I really think Trey Sermon is going to have a great year, and that's just going to lower Raheem Mostert's stock over the course of the season. But, all right, so let's get into the wide receivers. And we both wrote this wide receiver down on both of our lists, and uh, he's a Dallas Cowboy, so you know I'm about to give him some shit. But Amari Cooper. And I'm just going to let you know right now, I will not allow Amari Cooper to be the downfall of my fantasy team. I will not allow it. I, there, no matter where he is, Amari Cooper could be sitting there in the seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, tenth round. I'm not going to draft Amari Cooper because it's just the inconsistency It's just the inconsistency. I had Amari Cooper on my fantasy team for one season, never did again. Never again, because you never knew when the week was going to be. You never knew when he was going to wake up and decide, hey, I want to play football today. Like, I want to be an NFL caliber wide receiver today. He had eight, he said eight top 12 receiver weeks last year, and he had the other weeks outside of the top 30. Yes, he had the inconsistent quarterback play last season, but he's been doing this all his career. He's been doing this with Dak. He's been doing this with Derek Carr when Derek Carr was an MVP candidate. Like, he's literally been doing this his entire career. He hasn't been consistent model at all for fantasy. There's no, no way you will ever see Amari Cooper on my fantasy team just because of that inconsistency. I'd have no idea when to play him. I have no idea when he's going to get off. CeeDee Lamb is on the rise. Michael Gallup is still there. And then you're bringing back, um, dang, what's the old boy name at tight end? I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Um, yeah, Dolan Schultz or Blake Jarwin? Yeah, Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin is coming back into that offense, and the tight end always has a role in this offense. Zeke is going to be back, and that offensive line is healthy again. So I expect Zeke to command touches and command that target share that he has. I I don't see the role for Amari Cooper in this offense. Everybody thinks and everybody automatically assumes that Miles Gask- – not Miles Gaskin, but – Michael Gallup is going to be the last, the odd man out and Michael Gallup is going to be the one to deteriorate. No, I think it's going to be Amari Cooper. I think C.E. Lamb is going to command those touches and Amari Cooper is going to be the guy on the outside
1: that's just kind of left holding the bag like, dang, what they leave for me. It's funny you say holding the bag because I believe he needs the bag. This is his contract year. Like, I mean, this is going to be the make or break moment whether Jerry wants to pay for him again. And I don't think he, I don't think he, Jerry's going to pay for him. You got Michael Gallup, who's proven. I think if he was given more targets, he would be the better wide receiver. And I think you're right. I haven't had a share of Amari Cooper. Check the many dynasty leagues that I have. I won't admit how many I have because I'm a degenerate. Um, <laughs> but even in redraft, this guy is not on my board. He's right now listed as the wide receiver 15, and they have Robert Woods. This is Fantasy Pros consensus rankings. Robert Woods below him, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson. I'm taking Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy. I'm taking all these guys over Amari Cooper for exactly what you said. I don't want the inconsistency. This guy for his career has always been a problem, whether it be not getting enough touches, not getting enough looks, pout, then he'll go off and then everyone seems to buy into it again. Well, not me. Won't do it. I'm out. And even worse is he got ankle surgery in the offseason. He just I don't, I don't even know if he's off the pup list yet. He's definitely like T-Green, like he hasn't practiced much. I think that this is going to be C.D. Lamb's squad. C.D. Lamb and, and Michael Gallup are going to have great years. We're going to see a little bit of regression out of Mamari Cooper. Even though he finished as a top 20 receiver, I'm not buying it in, in redraft formats. I'll let somebody else deal with that headache on a weekly basis. Absolutely. And All right. Just uh,
0: to speed through a couple of these other guys because we're running low on time. Um, another guy for me, uh, that I'm really down on this year. And we talked about him a little bit earlier when we talked about Ernest Smith is Adam Thielen. I really don't think Adam Thielen has it. Like I, he's, he's what 31, 32 years old this year. Like he's hitting that age for wide receivers where they just fall off a cliff and they're not as productive anymore. He had an absurd 14 touchdowns last year. And that's just irreplicable. Like he's not going to get that again. That, and so if you look at this team, you have to look at it as a whole and this defense is going to be better. They put a lot of money into this defense. They brought in a lot of key players. And Mike Zimmer is a defensive head coach. He does not want to have a bad defense two years in a row. And the only reason that, you know, uh, Adam Thielen had all that opportunity was because the defense was so bad. Kirk Cousins had to throw to keep up every single time. And Kirk Cousins Cousins threw the ball way more than they wanted him to throw. They want to run uh, Dalvin Cook into the ground. They want to get behind him and let the offense roll through him and have Kirk Cousins just go out there and game manage and not lose them games by throwing the ball too much. So I really think Adam Thielen is being drafted too high. Uh, I I have him way lower down on my rankings than
1: um, consensus, and
0: I'm just not touching Adam Thielen with a 10-foot pole
1: this year. I agree with you, man. I think this is Justin Jefferson's squad now. Dalvin Cook is certainly also going to be involved in the pass game. 14 touchdowns and only 925 uh, receiving yards. You know, he had barely over 100 targets. Extremely efficient with his opportunities last year, but I don't think that that's something that can be sustained going into this year. And you know, there's a bunch of people, you know, many that I named um, that were below uh Amari Cooper that I would also take above Adam Thielen so Adam Thielen right now I see him wide receiver 20 overall um I think that's a big gassed up man and I think that he's going to definitely see some decline uh going into age 32 uh in an offense that you know I think is really going to be predicated on the run game Dalvin Cook and feeding Justin Jefferson yeah absolutely all right, the next guy on your list, I'm—I um, don't know how I feel.
0: about uh, You talking about my boys, yo? Now nah, you talking about my Giants here? So, you got Kenny Doc Galladay up here. I want to hear what you could say. Maybe you could sway me into thinking that Kenny Galladay is going to be a bust. So let's see.
1: I'm really so trying to convince a, a Giants fan. Shouts to shouts to Kramer. You guys try to be All rational, rise. but it's always it's always irrational, and. I get it. You guys rescued a guy who had a lot of potential in Detroit, never won shit. And now he comes over to the G men, the G men, you know what I'm saying? Like you got Daniel Jones, you got Saquon Barkley, you got Evan Ingram and a whole slew of other talenters. oh, you draft Kadarius, Tony, You guys got all the weapons you need to take it to the promised land. Only problem is with Kenny Galladay is that he can't stay healthy worth a damn. This man was running like an out route and came up limping with a pulled hamstring. I haven't seen him in training camp since, have you? I didn't see him in a preseason game yet. So I just, for the ADP, man, I just can't buy into it. I need reliability. I need safe floors. And unfortunately, Kenny Galladay is just not that guy for me. Right now he's sitting in that same bracket tier four with a lot of other names. Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett. I'm taking all of them cats over him. I don't want any parts of Kenny Galladay, mainly because I don't know what Daniel Jones is really going to do. When has he when has he supplied a wide receiver one? You know, maybe it just hasn't been a bigger sample size, but honestly, this guy's always running for his life because your offensive line is trash. So at this point, I don't think Kenny Galladay really changes the game. If anything, it just opens up some potentially some more running lanes and keeps defenses more honest from stacking the box from Saquon, which is a good thing. You want to actually keep Saquon healthy because he's your actually your team. Kenny Galladay, second fiddle. I don't think that he's going to have as good of a season as, as, as advertised, and I think that there's going to be some buyer's remorse there picking him within the top 25 picks um, in terms of wide receivers.
0: Okay, some points were made, some points were made. There is some some valid right there, but uh, I think that Kenny Galladay was brought into New York for a specific set of skills, you know, kind of like taken and like, yeah, you know, I have a specific set of skills. I will find you and I will kill you. And I think that's what Kenny Galladay is going to do. I don't think Ken Galladay was brought in to be a target hog or somebody that was going to. Uh, automatically be the clear cut wide receiver one. Now we know he's obviously the most talented wide receiver in that whole locker room, but he is. Uh, he is. I don't think he was brought in to be one of those guys to be the wide receiver one of that team. I think that he was brought in because he has an enormous catch radius. If anything comes near him, he's coming down with it. And he's just a big target in the red zone. Like they didn't call him Baby Tron for nothing in, in Detroit. And he kind of hates that nickname, but he's very valid. Like that guy gets into the end zone. And he's kind of like Calvin Johnson, like esque where he just comes down with the football. So uh, I think that's what he was brought in for. I think that he does have the opportunity to continue up his uh, streak of a double digit touchdowns and be able to lead the NFL in touchdowns possibly. But um, yeah, it's all about health. And I just dropped a giants preview on sports gambling com. And I didn't necessarily name Kenny Galladay as the wide receiver that I want to roster on that team. I'm more interested in Sterling Shepard, who is going ma- much later in drafts, who has a lot more opportunity in a PPR with all the targets that he's going to get and can make some plays in space. That's somebody that I'm targeting uh, very late. But, yeah, I definitely see the, uh, the, the misfortunes of Kenny Galladay, and I don't think that he may necessarily have that wide receiver one season anymore because of the role he's in. And he's just not going to be the guy that's just going to get a whole bunch of targets. He's going to get the ball when they need somebody to catch the ball right then and there.
1: Yeah. It screams to me like a wide receiver to borderline flex play most weeks if I can't rely on that. So yeah, I love Kenny Galladay think-
0: in best ball though. I love him in best ball because I think he's gonna score touchdowns all season, and there's probably gonna be multiple games where he has double-digit touchdowns because he's the red zone threat in that offense. And I think the offense is definitely gonna score a lot more this season than they do uh, in seasons past. But uh, all right, let's oh, get we'll to like our a last Giants player. fan. <laughs> oh, whatever. I'm sitting on a Giants plus four fifty ticket to win the NFC East in my back pocket. And watch it cash, too. (laughs) All right. So let's uh, let's finish it with one more NFC East wide receiver. And that is Curtis Samuel. You have Curtis Samuel on the list reuniting with Ron Rivera in Washington. What is the gripe with Curtis Samuel?
1: It's really just his lack of practice reps. At this point, he's been knocked out with COVID for quite some time. Um, he's Mm -hmm. supposed to be making some progress but you know we're getting we're we're in draft season right now so you're going to be you're going to be having to snag him as a potential wide receiver two wide receiver three you know he's in tier six with Michael Gallup Jarvis Landry LaVisca Chenault a couple other names that I would actually consider over him right now just because I think you know with with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm they're going to be throwing the ball more but I think what we were alluding to earlier is how much more active and involved Antonio Gibson's going to be. Yeah. All of the reports have been is that this guy is C- CMC light, CMC 2.0, going to be more active in the pass game. That's why he was drafted. He wasn't a running back. He was a wide receiver. He that learned how to play running back. So put that in there. You're going to be getting more opportunities for uh, Antonio Gibson. I think Terry McLaurin, F1, is a bona fide stud. You know what I'm saying? He's going to go off. He's going to have a way better season. We're going to see some positive TD regression with a better quarterback out there that can actually push the field. But Curtis Samuel, I don't know, man. Logan Thomas might might be a factor here. Fitzpatrick hasn't really thrown to his tight ends that much, but I also think that him missing out on valuable practice time is going to affect his production out the gates. Damani Brown has been really good, getting a lot of good reviews in camp. I think he could probably step up in the interim as well as you know, Logan Thompson's already there, as I stated. So I think it's going to be hard for him to replicate what he did last year. 97 targets, I think, that he got in Carolina will not be had again. And he's usually just a gadget guy. I think we'll see some opportunities where he'll do some jet sweeps, you know, possibly uh-huh. be utilized at the red zone. But it's not going to be on a consistent basis. I want consistency. I want high floors. That's Terry McLaurin. That's Antonio Gibson. That is not Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I um I agree.
0: I think that he was a product of the system and what Joe Brady was doing in Carolina and how he got that top twenty five finish in PPR scoring last year. But I don't necessarily see it. It's a different um, offense in Washington, and uh, Fitzpatrick is going to try to push the ball downfield. I think that he'll definitely have some some games where he got a couple of deep passes. But I think Brown and I think McLaurin are really going to fill that downfield role. And Curtis Samuel is going to be working more of the short and immediate range, and I just don't think there's a lot of value for him with that. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as quarterback. Now, if Taylor Heineke takes over, then I think I actually will uptake Curtis Samuel just a little bit, and just that you know Curtis Samuel and Taylor Heineke, who kind of throws on the run, moves and makes plays, and I think that's more of the type of wide receiver that Taylor Heineke can more thrive with. And I think Curtis Samuel will definitely have a role if Taylor Heineke takes over as quarterback, but I don't think I'm drafting Curtis Samuel this year. I'm not really interested in the Washington experiment and seeing how he transitions over. I think I want to see it first before I believe it. All right. So we've gotten to the end. We've got 10 player, 20 players, actually 10 breakout, 10 sleepers and 10 buzz Uh I think we got a pretty solid list here. Uh, is there anybody that just stands out right quick before we go? Is there anybody that stands out on the sleeper side that you're like, I have to have in drafts. Like this is the guy I have to get.
1: Um, I think that this list was pretty strong, man. I think that we, we definitely had some similarities in a lot of our sleepers. Um, I, I think I'm really going to be paying attention to the camp battles. You know, I saw Stevenson once again had another, another touchdown couple touchdowns today this guy's just a beast so i'd be curious to watch damian harris and see how he kind of unfolds i, I don't think it's going to be direct competition but you mm. know this guy is for real and he's he's putting numbers on the board which is the number was was the best thing you want to see um you know out of a out of a out of a rookie and more importantly in the preseason under bill belichick and so um yeah not too many other sleepers for me i got plenty of other bus we can talk about that another time yeah well it's been real um great host Miss Rod, but you know what I'm saying? You filled in great, man. So hopefully this is just the uh, start of the beginning of you doing some more hosting at SGPN. So we'll see. Hopefully the, guys, hopefully the guys don't want to
0: get rid of me. Uh, it might have <laughs> my last check I think here. You, I don't know. I, think you're, I think you'll still
1: stay uh, gamefully employed, man. I think you're good. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, DZ, plug anything you want to plug in. Yeah, so you can uh find me on Twitter at Dan Titus. I'll be doing some things behind the scenes for Action Network. But in terms of SGPN, make sure you hit the SGPN app. We got all the podcasts, all of the betting plays, picks, all that type of stuff in the app. So make sure you download that. Hit the Slack channel. Um, We got a lot of futures bets that we're talking about right now. Make sure you check out the NFL PropCast with Munaf and I. Every Thursday next week, we'll have a special guest. So we can't wait to debut that. And also keep checking out the NBA Gambling Podcast because that – that that tie just doesn't stop, man. We're, that train keeps rolling and uh, we're gonna continue to put out content there. So, you know, everything's kind of converging at one time. NFL's about to happen. Uh NBA's off season's kind of winding down. I don't even know what the fuck's going on with baseball, but I know <laughs> Munaf, <laughs> Munaf got that handled too. So you know what I'm saying? Just stay tuned, stay plugged, man. We're we're out, we're out here and uh, more good things to come for sure. All right. And you guys can find me on
0: Twitter and Instagram at really real underscore underscore. Find me on the sports gambling podcast.com where I will be making picks for the NFL season and the college football season, small hey. cameos on the college football experience all season. Can't wait to work with you guys. Can't wait to drop more articles, uh, make picks, and then just make a whole bunch load of money. And don't forget to check in the SGPN draft kit on the uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com website. Just, hey, go to the website, scroll to the top, click on Fantasy. Hey, they got it right there sitting for you. We got all our rankings, cheat sheets, draft guide strategies, analysis, advice, sleepers, overrated, underrated, draft, uh, Dynasty. Uh, If you're a degenerate like freaking DT here and got 10 (laughs) Dynasty teams, uh, we got Dynasty for you. 17. (laughs) (laughs) And The biggest fantasy questions of all 32 teams. So, hey, it's a whole bunch of information. It's a lot of best ball advice. We're going to have a lot of DFS content going up there as the season starts. So, hey, everything you need is in the SGPN draft kit. So make sure you check that out. All right. He's DT. I'm really real. And you know what? We are out.